Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. All right, 2 Kings 20, verse 1 says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Well, everybody wants to hear from God, but how about that one, right? So where it says, In those days, it's very important that we understand that, because it's given us a setting here. It says, In those days. What this means is that still during the time when Sennacherib was threatening to annihilate Jerusalem. So we saw that Sennacherib died in chapter 19. But here in chapter 20, we're, given, we're going to be given now new information. We know he died in chapter 19, but in 20, new information. King Sennacherib is still alive. He's still making threats against Jerusalem. And since heavy stress can trigger health problems, y'all ever had that? Stress can kick on some crazy things in the body. It's possible that Hezekiah's sickness could have come from the fear of the Assyrians attacking them. It was something sudden that just popped. So he's got this sickness and he's told he's going to die. 2 Kings 20 verse 2, then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. I think I would too. He kind of lost it for a little bit, I think like probably anybody would. But up front, he did do the right thing. He prayed. I'm telling you, I don't care how big and scary the news is. You can pray about anything. You're about to die. (laughs) You can pray. (laughs) That's what he did. And I don't think that Hezekiah prayed just over his fear of dying. I don't think that was all it was about. Hezekiah prayed according to God's will for Judah. That's the big threat going. I think that was a big part of his prayer. Hezekiah prayed according to God's will. Remember we talked last week, whatever you ask in my name, the Lord says, that I will give you. You can't ask for anything you want. Name it, claim it, I want this, I want that, give me a boat and a mansion and rich and all that. That's not according to God's will necessarily, but whatever you ask according to his will, he'll give. So Hezekiah prayed according to God's will for Judah, but how could Hezekiah's prayer to live longer be in agreement with God's will when God just told him he was about to die? But how was that in God's will when God said, you're going to die? How does that work? I've got an explanation. Consider that the Assyrians were ready to attack Jerusalem, God's chosen place where he chose to put his name. The Assyrians are going to attack Jerusalem at any moment. 
And God had Jerusalem under his covenant promise to keep them protected. They had to stay there because of the covenant. If Hezekiah were to die while Sennacherib's threat was still over them, then that would give Sennacherib so much more to boast about. Oh, I took down those, I took down God's best king that he's ever had in a long time. I got him. Now Sennacherib's really boastful. So you can see Hezekiah's prayer is in agreement with God's will. And also, if he was to die, who's going to lead Jerusalem? Who's going to take over the throne? At that time, Hezekiah's successor, his son Manasseh, he was way too young to take the throne, especially with a threat like this going on. So I believe that Hezekiah's prayer was not just, oh Lord, let me live. I think his prayer was also fit into the broader scope of Jerusalem's survival, which was in agreement with God's will. This was not a selfish prayer. We all have our appointed time. We know that. And it's okay to pray, God, please let me live longer. But what do you plan to do with that time? Is it going to be for you or are you going to use it for God? That's, that depends on whether or not your prayer is in God's will or not. Second Kings 20 verse 4 And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return, look at this, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. You see, God is reminding why he's got to protect Jerusalem, because I promised to. I'm, I'm going to do it for my sake because I'm God and I said I'd do it, so I'm going to do it. And for David's sake because I made a promise to him too. So it's a twofold thing that God has to protect Jerusalem for his sake and David's because the whole world's watching. If God can't protect Jerusalem, then why should any of us ever trust anything God ever says? Well, you couldn't hold Jerusalem up. Why should I listen to you? You see how important this is. Your salvation is in this. If God says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved, then you think you're going to be saved or not? You're going to be saved. Why? Because we have a God that has proved over centuries that he can uphold every promise he ever makes us. That's why he's taking this so serious, okay? So Hezekiah prayed and God answered. And that's the name of the message today. 2 Kings 20, he prayed, God answered. (laughs) Nice equation. But the story gets very interesting here because Isaiah was originally sent to tell Hezekiah to get ready to die. But before Hezekiah even makes it past the middle court to go back home, God says, turn around and go back and now tell him he's going to live. Now, can you imagine if you're Isaiah and there's no cars, you got to walk. Maybe he lived 10 miles, 20. I don't know. That's a good long trip. All right. I did it. I told him, oh, God bless you. You better get your house in order. And you're leaving. Now go back and tell him he's going to live. I think my head would spin. Wait a minute. Yeah, I did all this to say one thing, and now you're telling me to say the opposite. This is not a case of God playing ping pong back and forth, this way and that. That's not what this is at all. It's not as if God has trouble making up his mind on what he wants to do. 
Because a lot of people, when they look at this, they, they kind of run that way. Oh, what's God doing? Why did God tell him he was about to die, but now he's telling him he's going to live? I'm just telling you my questions when I read the Bible, what, what I get into. What is going on here? You know, when, originally when you read this, if you're not a believer and you don't understand, the, you don't have more dots to connect from other parts of the Word of God, you start wondering, isn't God a little more grounded than this? that his decisions are a little more firm, that he knows what he wants to do, you know, that, what, this way than that. And so I, I just kind of wanted to pose that to you. Well, of course God is a lot more grounded. Well, if he is more grounded than this, then what, what in the world's happening? So at first glance, looks like God wanted to end Hezekiah's life, but then it seems like he changed his mind. He didn't, but it seems like he changed his mind after Hezekiah prayed. And stories like this are some of the key stories where the lightweight theologians, and some of them run megachurches, I'll tell you, they take stories like this and they write entire sermons saying that we can change God's mind with our faith. That is not the case. We don't influence God to do something he didn't think about before where God's like, oh, I didn't see that. I think we'll go the other way now. Golly, Ram, glad you saw that. God doesn't act like that. So again, I'm just throwing these things at you to show you, is this story complicated or what? I want to show you something real quick before I explain it. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. So if God doesn't change his mind, then just what happened here between God and Hezekiah to where one minute you're going to die, but then the next minute he says you're going to live another 15 years. What's going on? First off, God is not the one that changed. Hezekiah is the one that changed. And I'm going to show you how. Malachi chapter 3, God himself says, I don't change. So what's going on? God used the story of his death as a way to shake Hezekiah back into faith. Hezekiah wasn't doing too good. Remember, originally, when the Assyrians came to attack, Hezekiah tried to buy his way out of the Assyrian attack. You remember, he went the the doors of the temple and he stripped the gold off of them. And he says, here, take this and don't attack us. Hezekiah's not functioning right. Hezekiah needed to change. So God needed Hezekiah to switch his faith back on. And what a better way to do it than say, you're about to die. Wait a minute. And now he's, he's refocusing, he's recalibrating. You see what's going on? You think God's the one that changed here? No. He's trying to get Hezekiah to change. I remember I was watching a Terminator movie. And if you haven't seen a Terminator movie, that's okay, because they're pretty rough. But there's this guy in the movie uh, that the Terminator was supposed to protect him. Because he was the leader of the human resistance and he was supposed to teach all the humanity how to stomp all the machines down and beat them and, you know, destroy them and all that stuff. Well, this guy, he got a little down on himself and he said, well, why me? How come I'm the big chosen guy? I, I'm not so tough. I'm, I'm not the right guy for this. Why don't you find somebody else? And the Terminator looked at him and he grabbed him by the throat and picked him up. And he, he's holding him by the neck and he goes, you're right, I'm wasting my time. I'm not going to try to impersonate Arnold, don't worry about it, okay. <clears throat> he goes, I'm wasting my time. 
on you. You're not the right guy. And the dude being choked, he goes, he goes, forget you, you stupid machine. And he dropped him. He goes, that's better. And I'm like, wow, look at that. He motivated him. He built this guy up in like 10 seconds to get him where he needed to be. Now, I hate having to use a Terminator movie for an illustration, but it works, okay? So the Terminator knew this was the right guy, but he just told him what the guy needed to hear to produce a change in him, to get him where he needed to be that he would have never arrived to on his own. Hezekiah on his own would have never got jolted into faith like this. So God told Hezekiah what Hezekiah needed to hear to produce a change in Hezekiah. God didn't change. You're going to die. I don't know what you're going to live. That's not what happened. He said what Hezekiah had to hear to get through to him, to shake him up into the leadership capacity that he needed to be in to take this Assyrian threat. I, I want to give you, let me give you another one. So if Terminator didn't work for you, let me talk to you about the same thing that God did to Moses back in Exodus 32. Israel, they were sinning like crazy. And so God literally said to Moses, hey, I'm thinking about killing all of them. I'm thinking about killing all these Israelites off right out here in the desert. So Moses sprung up into action and he says, well, God, wait a minute. He said, if you kill them, then the Egyptians will say that you weren't capable of keeping them alive like you promised to do. So what Moses started doing, he started praying to the Lord God according to the promises that God had made. And God's like, that's where I need you to be right there. (laughs) Same principle. After Moses said this to him, it says that God relented of killing the Israelites, not because God changed. Some, passage, uh, some versions of the Bible says that God repented of wanting to kill the Israelites. It's not like God goes, huh, Moses, you're right. I didn't think of that. Okay, let's do this instead. God knew all along he had covenant with Israel. And he was like, hey, Moses, these knuckleheads, I'm thinking about killing. No, you can't do that because you promised. You're right. Let's keep going. You see what happened here? It's kind of like child psychology. I remember my sister kept turning the TV off when we were kids. And I'm like, that's okay. I wanted it off anyway. And she turned it on and went, (laughs) I got it where I needed it to be. But I told her what she needed to hear to produce a change in her. (laughs) So God sparked Moses up into calling upon the covenant promises that God had made for Israel. Because up until that moment, Moses was not leading like a covenant leader should. So the same with Hezekiah here in 2 Kings 20. He had not been leading like a guy that remembered God's promises. Friends, I want to put you in a position real quick. Not my notes here, but I want to throw you in something real quick. Are you leading your culture like someone that remembers God's promises for you? Or are you, oh, woe is me. Oh, God, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden a big trial hits. You're like, what's going on? And that's God saying, hey, snap out of it, man. Remember the promises that I gave you. We got to lead our culture like we remember the promises God has given us. And whenever we forget those promises, God will put a little hurts to you to snap you out of it. Don't look at the trial and, at the trial and go, ah. Look at the trial and go, okay, God, I get it. What did I do wrong? And pray and ask him, where, where do you need me to be? Apparently I'm off. <laughs> Amen. That's a good word right there. I could just wrap up a whole sermon and say, be done and let's go. But we got more to do. So he has done this to Hezekiah. 
he had not been leading like a guy that remembered God's promises. So God sent a message of death designed to spark him into praying so that he would pray. But God, what about Judah? What happens to them? You have promised things to these people. And that's when the Lord said, all right, that's more like it. Now I got you where I need you to be. So Isaiah, get back in there and tell him he's going to live. Can you see now how it was Hezekiah that changed, not God? Do you see that? God doesn't change. When you see it, oh, look, God changed. Error in the Bible, contradiction. I don't trust Christianity. Read it a minute. Get in the context. Read other stories over here, over there. It'll, It'll play itself out. It works. Okay? Like I said, in the previous chapter, Hezekiah tried to buy off the Assyrian threat. He stripped the gold off of God's temple doors to try to pay them off. That is no way to be leading God's people at all. You don't lead out of desperation and fear. You lead by remembering the promises of God, praying, and going according to what God tells you to do with it. That's how we are to live our lives too. So if you're freaking out and you're acting out of desperation and times are all weird and you're frazzled, stop and pray and wait for God to answer. He's trying to get you somewhere that you're not able to get to on your own. So God had to give Hezekiah a real shake like the Terminator. Snap out of it, man. Come on. Wake up. Everybody's looking to your leadership. You've got to get on the ball here. He had to snap him out of it to get Hezekiah to pray according to God's promises to his people. Christian, you need to know what God's promises are for you. And you're only going to know it if you study his word. You've got to study his word and read it and see what God says about you. Stop listening to what the world says you are and start listening to who God says you are and go with that, not with what everybody tells you. You'll be defeated your whole life. 2 Kings 20 verse 7, then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took it and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Okay, I'm inclined to believe from this story that Hezekiah's own physicians had no answer for his health problem. They didn't know what to do. For the physicians to see him putting boiled figs on himself all over, that would have been a moment of, hey, we never thought of that. You ever had God tell you to do something and you went, I never thought of that. Why didn't the doctors tell me to do this? Because they don't know. God knows. That would have been a moment where the Lord would be glorified for his healing. See, if the physicians came up with the answer, oh, those physicians, you got a great doctor. Who's your doctor's name? That's awesome. You realize sometimes God keeps you from a remedy until you praise and pray to him so that he heals you, so that he takes all the doctors out of the equation. I've been there many times because if I got healed of something, The Lord didn't want me saying, oh, that doctor up in Houston, he's great. His name is Dr. So-and-so. You need to go see him. God's like, what am I here for? God has the answer. He has withheld from me so that I would glorify him. So you see that although the Lord required a change on Hezekiah's part, that doesn't mean that God also required to figure out what that change was supposed to be. Okay. We all know we need to change some things sometime, and we don't know what in the world it is. Well, God, what is it? What is it? And we freak out. I don't know what I need to do. Let him tell you. 
He may tell you by sending somebody. He may tell you in prayer. He may tell you through the word. It may just come hit you upside the head. I don't know. But let God tell you. The physicians didn't know. A change was required, but God didn't say, well, yeah, you need to change. Now go figure it out. I remember when dad brought me into his garage one time, he goes, take that harmonic balance puller and pull it off that engine. And I'm looking, I was like, I don't know what this thing is. He goes, figure it out. And I'm like, well, I was a kid. I don't know. So he got down and he showed me. A change needed to happen, but he didn't just say, at first it was figured out. I'm glad he did that because it kind of shocked me. I'm like, I don't know what to do. But then he showed me and he showed Hezekiah how to do it. So you can see how Hezekiah went through a dramatic change over the story already. He went from acting under the desperation of stripping gold off the temple doors to a man now receiving God's word by faith. What a turnaround for this guy already. So the boiled figs were applied, and then 2 Kings 20 verse 8 And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Okay, first off, Hezekiah didn't ask for a sign because he doubted the Lord. He didn't ask because he doubted, but he asked because the Assyrian threat had to be dealt with now. They were camped out on the hill getting ready to attack. This is imminent. We got to do something like today. So Hezekiah's request for a sign was only because he was concerned about the safety of Jerusalem. He was very, very concerned about Jerusalem. It wasn't about him. When do I get my sign for me? That's not what it was. Jerusalem is on my mind. What's the sign that I know when to go up to the house of the Lord? I want you to recall how there was a lot of people that asked for Jesus. They said, Jesus, give us signs. And Jesus wouldn't do it. He wasn't inclined to grant them signs, but that's because the people had selfish reasons for signs. It was something to to benefit me, something they wanted to have a personal gain of wealth or power or something. Their concerns did not match the Lord's concerns, okay? Hezekiah's concern matched the Lord's concern. Hezekiah was very concerned about Jerusalem. The Lord is very concerned about Jerusalem. So when he asked for a sign, it was okay to ask for a sign because his heart matched God's heart, okay? It's okay to ask God for things if you're in agreement with God's will. 2 Kings 20 verse 9, Then Isaiah said, This is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which He has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. (laughs) Boy, what I could do with this story. (laughs) But how awesome it was that you can pick the sign you want, whichever way you, you determine. And he left that up to Hezekiah, okay? Pick your sign, whatever you want, we'll go with that. You can see how much the Lord valued Hezekiah's character. Now it's like, now we know Hezekiah's functioning right because the Lord said, I'll leave this up to you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.